welcome to another episode of a live longevity podcast from the Asher Longevity Institute. I am here today with the chief founder of the Asher Longevity Institute, John Asher. And today we're going to be talking about the nine bottom lines to an unlimited lifespan and health span. John, welcome. I'm so glad to have you here to get the updates on this topic. Great. Thank you for having me. I've outlived the um, normal uh, amount of years that uh, men live so far. So, so good. So far, you are evidence that this works. (laughs) Yes, C, indeed. I have to tell you up front that I have, because I'm your editor too, I've been listening to every episode and I have learned from you and have applied what I've been learning to my life. And my doctor is so pleased with the improvement in my health and I feel better. And so thank you very much for that. You are welcome. The big picture on this company is it was started by five longevity doctors, three engineers, including me. And like any engineers want to do, we re-engineered longevity. That is, assume an unlimited life, of course, with an unlimited health span as well. Nobody wants to live a lot longer with lousy health. Right. And then kind of work backwards and see what it takes to get there. And so that's where we came up with the nine steps to an unlimited life. And some of the headlines before I go into the nine steps are this. The average person in the U.S. lives to about 80. Women, 82, men, 78. It's all gone down by a year, by the way, in COVID. (laughs) It'll it'll bounce back. So that's essentially the average lifespan is 80. And then another, so most people know that figure. Another figure most people don't know is that the average health span is 63. That is, the average adult in the U.S. at age 63 starts breaking down. Atherosclerosis, heart attacks and strokes, cancer, type 2 diabetes, arthritis, upper respiratory diseases, etc. The big five that caused 70 of us to die one way or the other. And so we all have, on average, 80 years to live and 63 years with great health, and then 17 years, not so good. Kind of goes downhill. So if you follow everything we suggest at, say, the 90% level, and that's just an estimate on our part, then you will not die from any major disease, number one. And number two, when you look at all these various studies at prestigious organizations, JHU, JAMA, Scripps, Mayo, Cleveland Clinic, et cetera, they're all saying if you, if you do all the right things, you can live to 100 without any problem and with great health. And so let's see what we can gain if we implement these nine steps. 100 minus 80, we gain 20 years of health, of lifespan. And 100 minus 63, 37 years of health span. So that's the big picture on what's available. So our advice is, and we're following that same advice, you know, no matter how old you are, stay alive as long as you can, because all these new drugs, protocols, therapies, technologies are coming out at an accelerated rate. And so we want to take advantage of them when they're there. And one thing I want to point out to folks, because I'm trying to do everything you're teaching as much as I possibly can, any improvement is going to improve. I mean, start where you can. And you've said this before, John, you said, try one new thing and then add another thing. Don't let it be daunting. And I think sometimes people, especially when they get to a certain age, it's like, ah, by now it's too late. It is not. And you are proof of that. You can start it wherever you are right now and make that choice. 
And I think that's where sometimes people either they say, oh, it's too hard or I don't want to, or maybe they just don't have that kind of hope. I'm not sure. But I love what you're teaching that, yes, start now. Yeah, example, I, I went to the the Ravens Charger game with my family, parked the car, let everybody out. And then on the way up to my seat, I got a beer. And the woman behind said, can I see her ID? I said, honey, I got the ID age beat by about times three plus, plus, plus. She said, I'm so sorry. One of our associates just got fired for serving a beer to an underage person. We all went to retraining again. And if I think you could be under 40, then I have to ask. I said, you are going to get the biggest tip you have ever gotten <laughs> for, a, for a $6 beer. So I gave her a $20 tip. <laughs> now, in her defense, you know, I did have my mask on, so you really couldn't see my whole face. And my, my forehead looks great because of Botox, you know, that sort of thing. <laughs> but... But still, to be 81 and get card is pretty good. That feels great, I bet. <laughs> oh, my. I've been telling them that's every friend I can think of, you know, <laughs> all three in North America alone, you know. <laughs> uh, now, to pick on what were your point, if you're the average person and you convert to everything we suggest, it's actually 45 action items. And... For somebody like you, Susan, who's on a roll with it already, you've probably implemented 20 things already. And so you probably have just another half to go. And therefore, we created this longevity planning guide. It's a month-by-month -month checklist. So as you go through the year, if you just implement one, two, three, or four new actions every month, then it's doable, right? Nobody can create 45 new habits, right, in one month. It's impossible. That's why we came up with this planning guide, and it's a combination of the costs of implementation of each one of the action items. Some are expensive, some are free. The age at which you should actually implement them the ease of implementation, is this really hard to do or something um, easy to do? The risk of each one, some could be controversial and risky, and then some are not at all. So if you take all of those considerations, it actually took us a couple of months, the five longevity doctors reaching out to other organizations until we came up with those 45 action items, which are embedded in the nine steps, and how you could actually achieve it if you've worked on it over a year. So you're right. You can't just do it all in one fell swoop. Impossible. I thought I just had nine to do. I didn't realize I had that well, many Well, you more. got nine <laughs> steps, but some of the steps have more than one new habit you got to create. But you're right. The new habits, as we all know, they take repetition and it takes a while for it to sink in where you don't even have to think about it anymore. It becomes the way you must be. You want to be. Yeah. My wife is Long, long, long time Catholic, went to Catholic school. So she has all these knots, and she was kind of a cut up. So she has all these knots on the back of her hands from the nuns hitting her hands with a ruler, you know. And she said, we were complaining to the nuns every now and then, why do we have to keep repeating this stuff? And the answer every nun gave that were teachers, you know, gave was, repetition is the mother of learning. So you're right. You got to learn a new habit. You got to keep repeating it. You got to get some naughty knuckles. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> so let's just take the big picture and take a look at these steps. Let's do it. So number one, and a real pillar of longevity is get sleep. 
And big picture, 50 years ago, the average American got eight and a half hours of sleep, and now we get six and a half hours. With catastrophic impact on our health and longevity and the education of our children, and you know, on and on. And there are 17,000 documented studies that prove you need about eight hours of sleep. 17,000. Here's one. The Golden State Warriors, NBA champs a couple of times in the recent past, had their sleep studied for an entire season. When the players got more than eight hours of sleep, their shot percentage went up. Their number of rebounds went up. When they got less than six hours of sleep, their turnovers increased a, a lot. The percentage of foul shots that they made went down a lot. So there's real documentation on this. It isn't just some sleep guy saying, hey, you ought to get more sleep. This is totally proven. I have a question, though, on sleep. I run across, and it's primarily women I run across. They'll say, oh, I only need four hours. And I do fine. I'm up, you know, at three in the morning and working. Or I stay up until three in the morning and then I sleep four hours. And they're really convinced that that's perfect for them, that they have enough how does that happen that people, for one thing, their bodies get adjusted to that? And why would you ever think that was okay? Is it a badge of honor? Well, what well, is many it? many people get used to their performance level with four or five, six hours of sleep. And if they ever started getting eight, they would go, oh my, oh my word, I had no idea. Happened to me. Five years ago, I went from six to eight. Huge difference in my life. Absolutely huge. I no longer fall asleep at my desk in the afternoon, you know, all that sort of thing. So eight hours of sleep is just fundamental to longevity. Number two is eat a great diet. Almost all of us know what we should be eating, balanced meals. And so what it really means is you cannot eat these manufactured oils, canola oil, sunflower oil, and on and on. Only eat the natural oils, meaning you squeeze the fruit and what comes out is the oil. So olive oil, avocado oil, etc. And then, of course, just knock off a processed foods. There are so many additives that are bad for us. There's 10,000 different additives in processed foods, and they are not regulated by the FDA. And many of them, the WHO, you know, World Health Organization, has designated, for example, nitrates as a highly suspected or known carcinogen. Out of that, just don't eat processed foods. You know, if you have to look at the ingredients for a food, don't eat it. <laughs> Pretty much, <laughs> which means essentially buy your food from around the periphery in a grocery store. Exactly right. You're right. The outside aisles are the best the place to shop. Aisles. And then the third step is, I'm sure you've heard the term microbiome. Micro mm -hmm. means really small organisms like bacteria, viruses, fungi, etc. And biome means home. So five years ago, nobody really heard of the microbiome. Now we've all kind of heard of it. And it's essentially what's in our gut. And our gut is from when the food comes in to the food goes out, that whole digestive system is our gut. The microbiome is what's in the gut. It's mainly bacteria. Imagine five pounds of bacteria, 100 trillion bacteria, good and bad. So when you have a bad microbiome, it's mainly bad bacteria. If you have a great microbiome, it's mainly good. And the consequences for the health is amazing if you have a good microbiome as opposed to a bad one. And there are a few things we shouldn't be eating now that we've learned about the microbiome. 
And that's essentially grains are bad for us. And from an evolutionary standpoint, we humans have only been eating grains really for 10,000 years. And our whole digestive <laughs> system has been around for millions of years. So our stomachs, our digestive system, have not gotten used to eating grains that contain lectin, a protein developed by plants to make sure insects and humans and animals don't eat the plant because it's bad for their digestive system. And what happens is if you eat too much wheat especially, it can cause a hole in your digestive system that continuously leaks out both good and bad bacteria into your bloodstream. The immune system goes to work to get rid of that bad bacteria. And since it's leaking continuously, the immune system is continuously energized, causing what's known as chronic inflammation. And so it's not just a little bit of inflammation every now and then, it's chronic inflammation. And the researchers now know that that's a precursor to almost every disease. So no grains, no dairy, because the main cows, the Holstein, their products directly attack the immune system. We should be eating very little sugar. You know, there's no biochemical reaction in any animal that requires sugar. You do not need sugar for any reason other than it tastes good. <laughs> And then finally, from a protein standpoint, not too much red meat. Some red meat's okay, but not too much. And then finally, if you're going to eat seafood and fish, eat it wild caught as opposed to farm-raised. Farm-raised is right. full of the bad manufactured oils. They're fed grains, so they got all that lectin. They're stuffed full of antibiotics and hormones, all of which we're eating when we're eating <laughs> farm-raised stuff. And farm-raised salmon, for example, is fed chicken feces pellets. All sounding pretty good so far? Oh, nasty. <laughs> so when farm-raised salmon comes out of the farm, out of the pond or wherever it's raised, it's actually gray. And so they add a little bit of pink dye to make it look okay. But if you just go to Costco or Whole Foods and look at Atlantic salmon, that sounds like it should be wild caught, right? Ocean, Atlantic? Uh, no. Atlantic salmon is farm-raised. But if you look at wild-caught salmon, it's this bright orange color, right? And the farm-raised is, is light pink, so it's real easy to see the difference. If you've ever had shrimp, farm-raised is actually mushy, where wild-caught shrimp is actually crispy, right? Pretty much crispy. It's crunchy, not crisp. So those are just some, just some of the action items for making sure you have a healthy gut microbiome. And, and again, I know you've heard the term leaky gut. That leaky gut slowly leaking out bacteria into the bloodstream causes 13 different diseases and three conditions. And one of those diseases, a third of the adults in the U.S. have it. And it's called non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. A third of the U.S. adults have that. Wow. Crazy. You've saved me because I'm going grocery shopping for three different types of fish today for the week for our menu. <laughs> you know, the, and the other thing is, I didn't mention it, but for the, for the diet is just eat organic because, you know, all those, essentially every vegetable and fruit's been sprayed with Roundup and humans, 93% of us humans are tested positive for, for glyphosate, the main ingredient in Roundup. And glyphosate is an antibiotic. And so all that good bacteria in our gut is a biotic, right? Biotic. And antibiotic kills them, which is crazy. Wow. The main solution would be just eat organic. 
And I know some people, I have friends will say, oh, it costs so much to eat organic or it's hard to get in my area. I find throughout the country, most areas have farmer's markets, yeah. seasonal ones. And they will tell you too, they have to say if they're certified organic as well, because they have to pass that credibility test. And a lot of times you can save some money if you do that. Yeah. So what we do, we just get our groceries from Whole Paycheck. I mean, Whole Foods. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's expensive. But I'll say this, you know, the, the major grocery chains now, Giant, Harris Teeter, Safeway in this area, they have a pretty big organic section now for fruits and vegetables. It's surprising. They, the, they're kind of wising up to what the public wants. They are, but I compare them between our two stores, New Seasons and Fred Meyer. And New Seasons still has the better flavor and still has the better, right. more locally sourced. Right. So actually, those are the first three. Num number four is a fairly short step. And that is just get your normal testing done on a regular basis so you don't die of something stupid. Example, once your age, and both my, my parents died of something totally stupid. They never should have died what they died of, and that's there weren't any tests for them back then. Right. So, I mean, an example would be, even starting at age 40 now, get tested for colon cancer, right? It's the number two killer for both men and women. So it's crazy not to get that test starting at age 40. Some people say age 40, 45. And the other interesting thing about getting the right biomarkers is if you get a blood test from LabCorp or Quest, then you'll see all these markers for liver, kidney, etc. Sure, you've seen them. And then there's a range. It's not the optimum range. It's the normal range of most Americans. If you want to see what the optimum range is, you have to go to some specialty organizations. I prefer Life Extension Institute, where they know the optimum range for every marker. Sometimes it's the high end of the normal range or the low end. In some cases, for older men like me, for free and total testosterone, it's above the normal range. So we want to make sure we're getting the right assessments. It's all part of our step four. And in particular, we don't get tricked by, hey, well, I'm in the normal range for all these markers. I'm fine. Ain't necessarily so. So then step five is take the right supplements. And I think everybody pretty much knows if you get you know, an infection, a bacterial infection, if you take a drug, it pretty much clears it up in three or four days. So you can see the benefit of that drug right away. Not so much with supplements. Supplements are a long-term play as opposed to a short-term play. And there are many supplements that have an effect, but it's a long-lasting effect over a long period of time. So we recommend 15 and there's a very good reason for each one. I'll just give you a couple of examples. There's so much topsoil is so devoid of minerals and vitamins now that you really ought to take a multivitamin if for no other reason than an insurance policy, right? Just to ensure you're going to get all those vitamins and minerals you should be getting from food, but you don't anymore. Another one would be vitamin D. So in Alaska, if you're a teacher and you teach for 20 straight years, then you are paid full pay for the rest of your life. And the reason they have to do that is because of that SAD syndrome. In other words, you're not getting enough sunshine. And, you know, it's dark all day, essentially half the day in Alaska. 
So that big study of that, the SAD syndrome and on and on, recommended, you know, if you're not getting 15 minutes of direct sunlight every day, you really ought to take a vitamin D supplement. And vitamin D has, you can just list 10 benefits of vitamin D, if for no other reason than just it strengthens your immune system. And let me give you two pieces of data. 90% of Americans have an insufficiency in the vitamin D levels in their blood. Only 10% of the people have as much as you should. And the people who don't, the 90%, have a 73% higher mortality rate from all causes. So in other words, there's some of these vitamins that have great information behind them. They're not a short-term play. You can't see the benefit in three days or a week or a month, sometimes not even per year. Sometimes you'll never see the benefit. You just prevented bad things from, from happening. So that's step number five. Then step number six, in our front part of our presentation, before you get into the nine steps, there's a study by the NIH, National Institutes of Health, and it kind of boils down why we die to four reasons. The first reason is we have a protein in our body called mTOR, big protein, and it causes us to go from baby to adulthood quickly, fast growth. But once we've reached skeletal maturity, you know, adulthood, we don't need it anymore, but it's still there in every cell. And because of that, when bad things happen in our body like cancer, it causes those cancer cells to grow fast. Another one is there is a coenzyme, NAD+, you may have heard of it, NAD+, and it maintains and repairs cells. It's in every cell. And the trouble with it is it slowly goes away as we age. And when you're age 80, like me, you've only got 2% left. And there's a real strong mm. correlation between people living to an average age of 80 and no more NAD plus essentially anymore. But you can easily keep it up with supplements. So it's another one of those supplements. And the next reason we die is at age 65, we're pretty much out of stem cells. And there's a way to get them replaced. And then the fourth level we die, there is a, a gland in the center of our chest called the thymus gland. It is central to the immune system. And by age 65, it's pretty much shriveled up and gone. And it's why people over 65 have died at a rate of 1,100 times people that are young have died. It's all about the immune system has been compromised. So those are the four reasons we die. And step six is all about, let's attack them directly. What can we do directly about those reasons we die? And it is a combination of calorie restriction slash fasting. So calorie restriction means in the normal weight for our height type of thing, we really ought to be at the low end. Every organism studied to date, if you restrict the calories, they live longer. Doesn't matter what it's been a cat dog, worm, fruit fly, doesn't matter. Everyone you study, restrict calories, be on the lean side, you live longer. And then fasting has a huge benefit as well. And that kind of goes back to evolution again. We humans went through the, I'm sure you've heard this, the feast-famine cycle, depending on the seasons, depending on the availability of meat. We were mainly carnivores. And so we got an average of one meal a day, it took four hours to digest it. And then we didn't have much to eat for the rest of the day. 
Well, once that don't have anything else to eat goes on for about 16 hours, then our body says, hmm, famine coming. Therefore, I've got to get rid of all my weak cells and strengthen the cells I've got left. So it goes into our body, goes into that mode. Well, that's what fasting does for us. It mimics evolution and causes us to strengthen our good cells and get rid of the bad cells faster. So this combination of being on the lean side and fasting is a great precursor to living a much longer life. If you Google fasting, there's a ton of information. And just, just right. to give you an example, the gold standard supposedly is fast for 16 hours, two consecutive days every two weeks. And of course, a nice way to do it is start to fast when you go to bed so that most of the, at least half of the time, right, you're, you're asleep. So my wife and I tried that and we could not get into that habit. And in the morning, we would be ravenously hungry. So now we just fast every day. So our bodies are totally used to no calories after 8 p.m. and no calories again until noon the next day. So we don't get hungry in the mornings uh, anymore. And that way we can do it. It's easy for us. We just do it every day. You don't have to think about it. But why do they say only twice a week then for two consecutive days? I was taught, you know, over the years, fluctuating with weight, you know, Jenny Craig yeah, and right. Nutrisystems, yeah. all those things. But their thing was to jar your system because otherwise you get used to it. So doing it every day doesn't get your body used to it, knowing that it can count on food. It'll still do the same process? As long as you have 16 hours. Okay. That's good to know. That's what you need. Okay. That's the gold standard. So we're both lean. You know, I'm 6'2 and 155. Wow. You know, people say, you know, my kids and wife say, I look, I look too damn skinny. Well, I'm actually in the right, you know, you look at the normal weight for men for their height. I'm actually somewhere between the um, mid-lower and normal. It's just that everybody else is so big now, I look stupid. <laughs> right. <laughs> Essentially, right. You never look stupid. <laughs> well, you know what I mean? I look, I look different. <laughs> I know what you mean. No, you do, because you are so trim. Right. But you're functioning, highly functioning, and very healthy. So I don't think we need to worry about no, you. No, actually, it actually feels terrific. All right, number seven is called regenerative medicine. And that is replacing things that have gone away. So it's hormones. As you know, after menopause, women should be replacing their hormones with bioidentical ones. So should men. There's peptides, which are just shorter proteins than um, hormones. Like I take three peptides a day. There's also stem cell therapy. And the fourth one emerging is called exosome therapy. You ever heard of that one, exosome? No. Now, the researchers have kind of discovered this in the last three or four years. So when a damaged cell puts up a red flag, I'm damaged then the stem cells rush over to try to fix it, 220 different types of them. And they can, as you probably have heard, they can morph into and replace that damaged cell. Well, as the stem cells are approaching, they emit very small particles ahead of them, kind of like a precision-guided missiles that go towards that damaged cell. And each little teeny particle has about 1,500 tools enzymes, coenzymes, proteins, peptides, keep on going down the list. And when they get to the damaged cell, they pull out exactly the right tools to fix that type of cell with whatever's wrong with that cell. So it's like they show up with a Home Depot full of 
tools, 1,500 tools. <laughs> and so that's starting to replace stem cell therapy. So that's step seven. You know, as you need it, then take a hard look at these regenerative medicine approaches. And as we age, so many things go away. As I mentioned, the thymus gland, right? That's gone. Stem cells right. are gone. Hormones or peptides are gone and on and on and on. Well, don't just accept it because there are bioidentical ones that are that your body totally accepts. You probably remember, I don't know, 20 years ago, women were taking that hormone that was made from horse urine. It, it was not bioidentical, and so it caused all kind of havoc in women's bodies. The DNA of horse urine is a lot different than the DNA of your body. <laughs> so you want to make sure the hormones and peptides are, you know, bioidentical. That's number seven. And number eight, a very controversial step, is take some prescription drugs that have an adjuvant therapy, additional benefit for longevity. And we, we're kind of educated, the public is now, about this whole thing of adjuvant therapy or off-label use. And right, we all kind of know this now. And here's the story. So most MDs get a very good education and they're really trained to diagnose diseases and to give a drug that fixes the symptom of the diseases. That's the normal doctor. That's not who you want to go to. You want to go to a longevity doctor or a functional medicine doctor. And the reason for them is they don't just give you a pill to fix it. They go find out the root cause and fix the root cause, not just, you know, kill the pain or, or, or that sort of thing. And so once a drug is approved by the FDA, any doctor can write a prescription for that drug for any person, for any application they want. Therefore, if you need some of the, want some of these drugs for longevity, and there's three big ones, then a functional medicine or a longevity doctor will write it for you right away. The normal MD will say, well, no, they got side effects, and no, I signed the Hippocratic Oath, and they'll start whining about it, and we'll give it to you. So one is metformin. It is a drug that's been approved for 50 years. It's based on a plant, the goat's roost plant, which has been used in China for 2,000 years to reduce sugar levels. So it's a classic drug for, for type 2 diabetes. So here's the deal on it. People who get type 2 diabetes who don't take metformin lose 10 years of lifespan and about 15 years of health span. So about at age 70, they die, and about age 55, instead of 63, they start breaking down. My wife just went to a funeral of one of her girlfriends in Norfolk. He died at 71. He had gone blind. He had a leg amputated. He had a liver replacement, you know, a little sliver of liver put in there to grow more liver. He had renal failure and finally just threw it through in the towel. People who have type 2 diabetes who take metformin outlive people who don't have type 2 diabetes by 12 years on average. Well, I like that because I am taking it because of you. Good. And my doctor is so thrilled with my sugar levels and my inflammation has gone down. Exactly. Exactly. So that's one. The second one is called rapamycin. So rapamycin is a drug based on a bacteria only found on Easter Island, really strange. And it was developed as a organ transplant rejection prevention drug. <laughs> so in other words, if we get a pig's heart replacing our heart, which is just kind of coming on the scene now, 
that pig has a different DNA. Or even if you took my heart, because I'm a cadaver, and you wanted to put it in your husband's heart, his DNA and my DNA are different. So the body will naturally reject it, take rapamycin for a couple of weeks at mega doses, then the body slowly will accept it. We've also learned from multiple studies, 6,000 studies, that rapamycin has a huge benefit on longevity as well. For example, in Canada, dogs are typically fed rapamycin, and they typically last 25% longer life than USA dogs and are friskier longer than uh, almost through the whole life. That would be the second drug to take, would be rapamycin, and it's a very small dose only once a week. And then the third is called Depranel. Depranel was developed and approved by the FDA as a drug for depression. It then found out that it had a great adjuvant therapy for Parkinson's, so now doctors write it for Parkinson's. It also has a, it essentially is a metformin for the brain, is the way to think about it. Because of the blood-brain barrier, metformin can't get to the brain, but Depranel can. So those are three drugs, prescription drugs, when you get to be, oh, you know, in the mid-50s, probably. It's time really to, to think hard about taking those. And the benefits are immense, but of course, they're controversial. Because there are many people, and I'm one of them, I don't want to take an antibiotic, for example, if I don't have to. Because I don't want to screw up my microbiome. So there's a lot of people like me, and I'm sure you, why take a drug if you don't need to? The only reason to take these drugs is because of the immense benefit on longevity. And the, the side effects are minimal. You know, when I first took metformin at 500 milligrams twice a day. I got a little bit of diarrhea that went away in a day or two. Then after a couple of weeks, I, I took it up to the recommended dose, 1,000 milligrams twice a day. Got that again, but it went away, and I haven't had any problems since. I've been taking it for five years. All right, last step, yay. Step nine is maybe the most important step, and that is stay abreast of all the new stuff coming and be an early adopter. Want to live an unlimited life? You kind of must be an early adopter. Example, metformin, we talked about it, right? The FDA has never done their own study of any drug. It's all funded by Big Pharma. And there's never been a, a formal clinical trial on longevity because it takes too long. You have to do it at least like seven years, right? And so last year, the FDA got a bunch of money together, tens of millions of dollars in their own budget, and they started a study on the adjuvant therapy of metformin for longevity. The first study of an adjuvant drug for longevity, actually it's the first study of any drug for longevity. So if that doesn't convince you to take it, nothing will, right? <laughs> but what you could say, if you're being really conservative, why don't I just wait for seven years and see if it's really true? Well, if you're 50, fine. But if you're my age, probably not. <laughs> right. I'm not waiting seven years right? Because there's too much great evidence that it does such a great job. So that's the ninth step. Just stay abreast of all the new, and there's just a flood of stuff coming, Susan. It's just unbelievable. And stay abreast of it, like we update our website frequently with new, new information. And as appropriate, in concert with your doctor, be an early adopter. If the doctor's, doctor's not an early adopter, then fire the doctor and get a longevity doctor. 
Well, that's exactly it. People forget that they can question a doctor. Exactly. Like, well, why won't you give that to me? Can you tell me why? What's your concern? And most of the time it's that, well, we as an overall organization don't approve that, but it's nothing research that they've done. It's nothing they've read. It's no experience they've had. It's just, it was set down in writing and they stick to it. I'll give you my quick example. Five years ago, I asked my doctor, typical MD internal medicine, to give me a prescription for a metformin. He said, why? You're about as far away from type 2 diabetes as you can get. I said, I want it for the longevity purposes. He said, well, I've never heard of that. So I sent him the studies, three links to studies, and I called him up. I said, so now will you give it to me? He said, well, you know, we all signed the Hippocratic Oath, do no harm, and there's never been a clinical trial to prove it, and there are some side effects with metformin, so I'm not comfortable doing it. I really did leave his practice. I left and went and got a functional doctor who's a, a longevity doctor. So you're right. My parents thought God, the doctors were gods, right? Yes. Whatever the doctor said, that was that was the answer. That was it. For me, if I don't get at least three opinions, right, <laughs> right. I'm not doing my job right. <laughs> exactly. They're a retailer. And when you come down to it, they are a retailer. We are their client. Exactly. Couldn't say it any better than you said it. <laughs> John, this has been a wonderful update. We've had this list before, but you've added some things and a little more detail that people really need to consider and take to their doctors or take to a new doctor, whatever the case may be, but it's worth looking into and to do our research. I would also love, John, if you would give us a few of your favorite health news sources that we can add into this post so that we can get people on track in addition to the Asher Longevity Institute. But who else do you trust? that you read their studies and you go, yes, I get that. I'm going to pass this on. Yes, I'll email them to you soon. That sounds great. This has been another wonderful episode of a live longevity podcast from the Asher Longevity Institute. Thank you, John, for all the information you've given us again. Thank you, uh, Susan. It's always uh, great to be with a good host. The Longevity Institute developed a nine-step program to guide you to a much longer and healthier life. Our mission is to make this system easy to understand, simple to execute, and sustainable for the rest of your life. Go to asherlongevity.com today and sign up for the information and access you need to live the longevity lifestyle. That's asherlongevity.com to help you feel better now and achieve the longevity you desire. <music>